finding you gave me the courage to say, let me try. Let me try to just, you know what, go to bed and see what happened. And there was a night I did that and I was able to fall asleep without watching or listening to anything. And then that stuck. And since then, I, I, I no longer need to watch anything. I actually enjoy going to bed. What a change to have been so profound that I look full at the problem in the face. Like, okay, insomnia, do your worst. I'm not running from you. I'm not going to be scared of you. It's just something that's just so simple. Like the truth, the truth has to be simple. Otherwise, it's not the truth. I was so trapped in my head before. When I say my whole life changed, like my whole life changed. I'm Coach Daniel, and this is a Sleep Coach School. Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another really special Talking Summit episode. We have Peggy with us. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Very nice to have you. And for those of you who wondered, like, how did this interview come about? It was really you sent me an email, which was a reply to a newsletter, sharing a bit of your story. And it was a really powerful part about, like, you leaving this kind of medical rabbit hole, if you will, a medical illness rabbit hole. And I think you're, you have really seen things getting easier as far as insomnia as well, but there may be things we can talk about there that can be helpful for you and the community as well. But that was a little intro. With that said, tell us how you ended up in this sort of medical illness rabbit hole. So it's hard to say when it all started. It's really, it's really vague in my head right now, but I guess we can start with the insomnia how it it seemingly all started i was one of those good sleepers as a kid even as an adult and even once i had a child i not that i was a great sleeper nobody is this is you go through tough times and stress and still it, there wasn't any insomnia that came with that and she was born in 2010 and did all of that those years were fine but somehow in 2013 the fall it seemed like the, there seemed to be a shift where I started getting up in the middle of the night. I would fall asleep. I would fall asleep, not easily, somehow would fall asleep watching a video. And then where I once was asleep all night, all of a sudden I started waking up in the middle of the night and it would be a couple of hours of being up and and then would fall back asleep and wake up in the morning and be tired and have a bad that night's sleep. And that kind of continued through 2014, 20, I just, I never, I, I didn't think too much about it. I just somehow started waking up in the middle of the night and couldn't fall back asleep, eventually would, and wake up in the morning tired. And then 2016 was when you said medical issues started. I didn't quite see it. it they crept up slowly. So 2016 is when I started having more health uh, issues. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, Peggy, but during this time from, let's say, 2013 to 2016, you were often waking up, took it quite a long time to fall back asleep. But you were, how worried were you about this, if worried at all? That's a good question. I wasn't worried. I was annoyed and I was, I guess I was stressed. I was all of a sudden saying, thinking to myself, I have insomnia, but oh, have my coffee in the morning. I didn't do anything about that, which in hindsight, I should have 
not been worried, but I should have thought, okay, something's going on. I'm, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Why is that happening? And I did not do that. I just, I was just on cruise control. Yeah, it's a paradoxical because on one hand, that probably in one way helped it from becoming more trouble. But on the other hand, you didn't actually learn what was going on. But anyway, I want to ask you one more question before you go back to your story was during this time when you were up at, in, in the night, what did you usually do? So I was, the brain would start working. So that's the first clue where I would get up in the middle of the night. It wasn't because of food. It wasn't because of indigestion. It was something. Now in hindsight, there was stress. There was something in, in the brain that had developed this autopilot of worry. Or maybe I got up in the middle of the night and then thoughts started happening and then stress. I, that's when I started thinking about things. So I got up in the middle of the night and it was like, worry about this and this happened and that and this stress so that the brain would start working in the middle of the night and I would have a an annoyance with the brain and eventually somehow I fell back asleep but yeah that's what I was doing I wasn't I wasn't calm I wasn't happy about it that's for sure all right no thanks like it gives a clear picture and then yeah take us to what happened in 2016 then so 2016 I started having various health issues and then in that that was escalating i there was different things going on but the the big health issue that started in september of 2016 which i didn't initially think too much about but i started having throughout 2016 i started having some we'll call them neurological issues but in in the fall of 2016 i suddenly had a weird symptom where i would lower my head and then I had these electric shocks the feeling of shocks happening through my thoracic spine and then projecting to my hands and you know what being minded as I'm okay I didn't really think too much about that believe it or not but was my husband and my colleagues at the time were thinking okay this doesn't sound right shouldn't you do something about that and then I thought okay I guess I should go see a doctor so I went to see a doctor sorry again to interrupt Peggy but Apart from, you said there were several things going on. What, what were the other symptoms that you had also at the time? You mean as far as neurological issues? Yeah. I can't think of too many of them, but th that it, they slowly crept up. So I, right. I, I remember having some sort of dizziness at some point. I would wake up, when I woke up in the middle of the night and go to the washroom, I just would tilt to one side and then that kind of went away at some point. But yeah, there were these little things that I didn't think too much about, but that thoracic electric shocks was like the big one in All September. Right. And then you eventually went to see a doctor. Take us further. Yeah. So then I went to see a doctor and that was a stressful time because by the time you start saying there's something wrong and the doctors would say, okay, let's send you for this test or that said that test. And at some point I was Googling and found something that said, this sounds like MS, multiple sclerosis. And then at the time I didn't know what this was about and the narrative, I don't know what the narrative about multiple sclerosis is like now, but back then it was not a good, not a good condition, not a good thing to have. I just, so that escalated the stress. And then I would go to the doctors and they would say, no, it doesn't sound like multiple sclerosis and this went on september october 
November, back and forth. And in terms of your symptoms, did they were they the same or did you now have more symptoms? So they were the same for a while, but then towards the end of November, I suddenly started losing feeling of my body. It worked its way up and way down to my feet where I just suddenly... You remember like the the internet in the 90s where you would watch something and it would slowly, you know, the bandwidth wasn't great so that the image would slowly creep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how my body started feeling. And then eventually, I won't get into the, the details of how things happened those days, but I ended up getting hospitalized early December because I was losing feeling in my body. And when I was hospitalized... They ran a bunch of tests, including MRIs. And true story, as I was getting ready for an MRI, I hopped on the stretcher. They brought me downstairs to to get one done. I actually lost the ability to walk as I got off the stretcher. And not like I fell down. It was just like I stood up and then I just, my body did not know how to walk. And then I lost the ability to use my hands. And that happened literally as I was waiting for an MRI. But yeah, long story short, that basically, and then there was more things going on. I, I, a bunch of things that happened to my body. And then I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. You were. Of course, don't share anything you're not comfortable sharing, but I think it could be about the community to know what, what if you want to share some of the other things that were happening to your body with what was going on i had now lost function of my hands like fine motor skills i couldn't use my hands anymore i had lost the ability to walk those were the big ones but i had lost yeah i couldn't feel my body anymore and yeah there were my brain wasn't functioning anymore i had brain fog i like yeah it's hard to think of them right now but yeah the I think I mentioned the big ones when I was hospitalized. And on a practical level at this point, how are you functioning, getting from A to B, eating, dressing, taking care of yourselves? It's not like I couldn't use my hands and I didn't know what was going on. And it actually, like I said, true story, the worst, the worst of it was when I got hospitalized. So at this point, leading up to it, I was losing function. And then when I was hospitalized is when... I hit rock bottom. Luckily, after that, and it was a course of steroids and a few days in the hospital, the walking came back pretty quickly. The hands, the fine motor, that took years to to come back. But it's not like I couldn't use my hands. It's not, they were not functioning. It's just I couldn't use them properly. So it, I could still use my hands, but I couldn't write. I couldn't, I didn't know how to hold them properly. It was... Yeah. So at this point, thanks for sharing, Peggy. And at this point, you've been hospitalized. You've been told you have MS. You've been put through this steroid course. And the legs are actually getting a little bit better. You can use your hands. And I'm guessing you're discharged at this point or so. And what happens next? So it was a tough time when you're told you have MS and... And you, you ask the doctors, is there anything I can do about it? Am I going to get better? Because at this point, my body was broken. And the narrow, the, what they basically said is, we don't know. This is not a, a disease that gets better. It's just, it gets progressively worse. You can't really 
do much about it, but the only thing you can do is take medications. And I'm paraphrasing. That's the narrative, the, the message that I got. And here you go and good luck kind of thing. Yeah. That's how I left the hospital. And because of that, those days were, yeah, they were pretty tough because I had to deal with, with that. And so there were some dark nights, as they say. But luckily, I quickly got into a mode of, this doesn't make sense. I, I take medications and that's about it. That doesn't make sense to me. So I started Googling again. Yes. Sorry for interrupting, but what part was like, were you questioning? What was it that really didn't make sense to you? When you're told, we don't know why it happens and it just does and... No, there isn't anything you can do about it, but you can take these medications and hope for the best. That didn't sit well with me because I'm incredibly analytical. I need to understand why. And so that, that was the, why did this happen to me? And is there anything I can do this? It was just, it was almost like the whole, um, the story you were told didn't fit with your experiences. You were questioning this whole thing. Yeah, what, what, so you started analyzing this and doing your own research, and yeah, what happens next? So at some point, instead of finding stories of this is what happens with MS, at the time it was mostly you end up in a wheelchair eventually. I don't know what the narrative is was like now, but at the time it was not good. I, and I just quickly got into a mode of this is not my story. I somehow viscerally knew that I'm not... I'm not sick, I, and and I guess that was the drive to look for stories online of Googling people who cured their MS, people who reversed whatever it was, just bad kind of search. And I came across stories of people who did just that, and that set me up for a more hope than doom. And I found stories of people who reversed their MS or whatever you want to call it, cure by doing things like changing their diet. And so I said, okay, let me do that. Let me try that. And I did. Not that I was eating badly, but I just followed the protocols that I found from people who said they reversed their MS and that quickly made me feel better. So it was the beginning of, oh, okay, there's something to this. And then since then... I was able to say, okay, yeah, there's there. It's not medications. It's more than that. So it started with diet and uh, things started reversing. I started feeling better, even symptoms. There were more things that I did, but yeah, it started with the diet. So then more than anything, it wasn't the diet. It was the change from being in a place of despair to hope that the change that, but in hindsight, I. I was going about it, though, from a place of fear, which served me. It's, it's not a good place to, to do things, but it served me. I was scared, and I, and I made things happen. But that fear, as far as going back to the insomnia, I was getting physically better, but anxiety started getting worse. And that's because I was stuck in a place of fear. Rightfully so. It's not a... It's not a an easy thing to navigate, but I was 
functioning from a place of fear to get myself not to break, not to late. And so because of that, anxiety got worse. And then insomnia actually got worse, getting better. But then, you know, come summer of 2017, it was pretty bad. I was sleeping one to two hours a night sometimes. Yeah, I was, anxiety was through the roof. Insomnia was pretty bad. And it was the anxiety at this point centered around sleep or not sleeping? The anxiety was centered, it probably, <clears throat> I guess it's like a, it's like a glass that, that fills. The fear of what will happen to me physically just made me fill that glass and then the body couldn't handle, the nervous system and couldn't handle it anymore. It was not sleep per se. It was something else. But now I was super anxious. I see. In some ways and, more than before. And again, like you were super anxious. And the thoughts there were they, was it like, were you very anxious that if I don't sleep enough, this will happen to my body? Or, or was it just you were anxious about other things and that then kept you awake? Or was this, was the anxiety around sleep or related to sleep or not really? That, that's a good question. Initially, it, it wasn't cognitive. I wasn't thinking I'm scared of sleep or I'm scared of, but I, I was scared of breaking. I was scared of what would happen to me. And knowing that you need to eat well, sleep well, do all these things in order to be healthy, then sleep went into that equation. So the fact that I wasn't able to sleep was scaring me even more because that would make me that would make me break more quickly so yeah the fear of not sleeping was just thrown in the pot absolutely and by the way just the and very little quick little side note here sometimes our emotions are so strong that we don't even know exactly what we're thinking when looking back we can be the emotion takes so much space that we we're not really cognizant of what thoughts are going on so it's not strange that you can't remember exactly what you were thinking when there was like a very intense period like that but yeah, so now you're having a real struggle at, at night. And, and what happens next? At this point, I was trying to find solutions to, to sleep. It was with, I was always since the early, since early 2017, I was looking for ways to heal from MS and heal from anxiety and heal from sleep and all these things. But... Yeah, I had gotten so anxious at some point, I did end up going on SSRIs, which kind of helped. They, they did help sleep for that period, but I did not want to continue. I didn't, like with my mindset, I didn't think this was the solution, but I was so anxious that I had to take that uh, life jacket. So I, I took SSRIs for six months. I came off of them in early 2018. And so... I was sleeping okay-ish while I was taking them. So I guess it makes sense because you're starting to be a little bit more calm. And then I stopped them and eventually that crept up again. But it wasn't as bad as before. I was way better, but but it did creep up. And I once I got off the SSRIs, obviously the brain was thinking, you got to find that, that natural approach, that natural thing that will fix the sleep. So I was doing all sorts of things, I eating a certain way, 
taking the supplements, the usual things, trying to find the what specifically helps sleep. So yeah, I guess I had gotten to a point where all of a sudden sleep consumed, it became that one thing I was dealing with, with well, I was fixing the other stuff, but now sleep became, if I can only fix my sleep, things will be good. I, I wasn't thinking that, but I, I, I can see in hindsight that the nervous system was primed that way. And I think I mentioned it to you in my email. So what was interesting was when it came to MS, which is a, a big thing, my, I was primed as a, I'm not sick. It's all good. I'm, this was not conscious, but somewhere deep down, I knew this is not my narrative. This is not my story. I'm not sick. So I somehow was able to start reversing that. But with insomnia, so it's interesting. I, I thought about this way for when it came to MS, but then insomnia, it was like, if I can only fix this insomnia, then I will be okay. So I, I eventually realized, oh, so I'm somehow seeing insomnia as the problem and I'm chasing that one thing rather than just have a general wellness approach. But yes, I became obsessed with that. I looked at all things insomnia, what habits, what what supplements, what food, what I was able to help myself. But in the process, I made my day-to-day very regimented. I, you know, like I... I had the earplugs I've had for for a while, the blue blocking glasses and going to bed a certain time and taking my specific supplements and waking up a certain time and, and all this stuff, which was good. It's I'm not saying having a, health, having a healthy lifestyle isn't important, but I had made my world pretty small. It was all revolving around if I can sleep, so my, my day-to-day was all about how am I going to make sure that I will be sleeping properly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And one question, at this point, the like neurological symptoms, are they still affecting a lot or are they already almost in the background now? So the neurological symptoms ever since that gloomy 2016 December, it was like as if that was rock bottom. And since then, they were getting better, just continuously getting better. Very nice. And the medications you were told to take, I'm guessing at some point you stopped taking them uh, for the for MS or what happened with those? Yeah. So I was on those for a good two years, but I eventually thought, I'm doing okay and I'm eating well. I have good habits. I trust that I will be okay without them because the fear that I had was these are immune suppressing medications. Sure, they they can stop me from having an attack in the future. They're also putting me at risk for other issues. So I decided to stop them. Yeah. And I didn't do that. Did you do that like in discussion with your doctor or did you just do it yourself? But that's a, unfortunately, when, when it comes to, to doctors with, with MS neurologists, I'm hoping that it has changed now, but they were just trained to treat conditions like MS with medications. So when I told my doctor, how about I give it a try and not take them? He basically said, okay, goodbye. And yeah. And if anything happens, you come see me after that. Oh, 
I'm I'm glad. I guess nothing nothing happened, and you're doing well. So I'm I'm glad uh, that about that, of course. But it's some tricky situations, and the the medical system isn't really equipped for a lot of what we struggle with today. So yeah, just I'll just leave it there. But okay, so back to the insomnia. Now it sounds more of a the usual the common insomnia story here, where we have the rituals, the supplements, we regiment the day to try to make sure we sleep, etc. And from then on, I guess at some point you found like our YouTube channel, our teachings here. But what was the, what's the next evolution when it comes to the insomnia? So there wasn't a one day I was not sleeping and the next I was. It just gradually got better. But my obsessive all things wellness self kept Googling, finding YouTube videos about stress, about anxiety, about insomnia, about all that good stuff. And then I came across your channel probably a little over a year ago. I can't remember exactly. And I started watching your videos. And I just remember at this point, I was actually like, you asked me how was the insomnia? It was, it had gotten to be okay. I just didn't believe it. You know what I mean? It's, and maybe other people have a similar kind of story. It's just, you're okay or, or okay-ish, but you just don't, don't believe it. Or you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're just not in that space. I was sleeping okay-ish. I, I can't say I was a magnificent sleeper, but but I was okay. But I would still obsess about, okay, let's try to fix this insomnia. So that mindset was still there, which is why when I found your videos and you were saying, essentially, there's nothing to fix. You When you fall asleep, this is something that should happen naturally. Then that kind of seeped in and my nervous system was like, oh... Yes, that makes sense. I, I get that. In yeah, fact, yeah. I, remember, yeah. I remember there was a specific video, which is what, I don't know what happened, but I, there was a video and you mentioned that when healthy people sleep and and then they wake up in, in the middle of the night with a noise, some noise, and they just open their eyes. I think you, you used the analogy of, the, of an animal not waking up in the middle of the night and there was a, a noise and then... Oh, that's fine. It's just something dropped and go back to sleep. Watching that video, somehow just something clicked. It was like, ah, yes, here is my, my issue. That's, that's, that's it. That's really nice. And just, just for the audience knows that I often use that type of analogy where like humans and animals too, they will be sleeping, right? And then there's some noise and then we naturally wake up because we our brain is, wants to keep us safe, right? So because what was that? Are we safe? And then we're like, Oh yeah, we're safe. And then we fall back asleep and then we don't remember it actually. So we all wake up many times per, per night, but we don't remember it. But the difference is of course, when we, our brain has started to think that not sleeping is a threat. Then we wake up and they're like, what's happening? Oh, I'm awake. That's a threat. I got to be ready for it. And then we stay awake. So exactly. Exactly. So that was my issue and it just uh, resonated because it wasn't just sleep. It was health. It was everything. I was suddenly, suddenly I was now in this constant hypervigilant mode and that is what contributed to me waking up and not being able to fall back asleep so that was super super helpful and and let me ask you this question again like not to put you in the spot or anything like you answer of course however you feel you answer this question but if i would say that this hyperarousal that puts us in like a you know, hypervigilant state it can like, our nervous system is like really gonna higher level like it working more etc something like 
an electric shock or like feeling a tingling that maybe everybody would feel something like that, but when we're hyper aroused, we really feel it strongly. Could you do in your mind? Could you see that like the kind of nodding your head and feeling a, a electric shock or something like that could be related to hyper arousal? Have you thought along those lines? So the, the the electric shocks in my experience that was um, because I was uh, set up in a not really paying attention to my body. I almost didn't see the importance. So I thought my, my, my brain thought it's not a sledgehammer hurting my head. It's just electric shocks. So I minimized them. But as far as sleep goes, it did affect my sleep. I, I would be in bed and nod my head and, and that would wake me up. So naturally that was a, that was an issue, but it was what interrupted my sleep. It was not Yes. Yeah, it's a sleep disruption, not something that in itself causes insomnia. Yeah, very well said. And uh, all right, so you're, you're learning now, you're seeing things uh, from a different perspective. And then I'm guessing like sleep started happening a little easier or what happened next? You mean after? Oh, you, you found like our channel and you started tuning in and learning. Yeah, I started even applying some of the things that I I thought would be leaving the habits behind. I can't say like I've left much behind. I still wear earplugs. I still like my uh, blackout curtains. But I remember, and this really changed a lot, was when I went to bed. I I mean, I, I used to need something of a, watching a video or listening to something uh, in order to fall asleep, and then. Finding you gave me the courage to say, "Let me try. Let me try to just you know what go to bed and see what happens." And there was a night I did that, and I was able to fall asleep without watching or listening to anything. And then that stuck. And since then, I I, I no longer need to watch anything i actually enjoy going to bed so falling asleep which used to even as a child used to be difficult i was always the one who was i had a hard time falling asleep but once i fell asleep it was okay now i'm back to where i was as a kid I just go to bed and close my eyes enjoy that i actually enjoy being in bed and just meditate or just you know it's like nice yeah yeah, being cozy. And I don't know, I may, it may take me five minutes to fall asleep. It may take me 15, it may take me 40 minutes. I don't know, but at some point I fall asleep fast enough and it's just wonderful. I just enjoy falling asleep. That's amazing. I'm so, so glad to hear that. And just to, to point out something really quickly to the community here, you don't actually know how long it takes often. You just know that it's not the struggle. You lay there, you're cozy. You're, and it's so, it's so nice because a lot of people are like, how fast do you fall asleep? And it's like, when we don't pay attention to that, it just happens easier. Yeah. That's what definitely helped me see and, and work towards, which is really important. Yeah. I'm so glad this made so much sense and it's helped you. And with that said, I think I said in the email that we could like your story is has been extremely valuable because you talked about topics that we've never really talked about before but there's also an element of your maybe not like the, the insomnia may not become 100 completely in the rearview mirror 
you're still having a little, some fears and, 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 and anxieties around this. So I thought we could do a little bit of coaching here too, and hopefully it will be valuable to you and the community as well. But so I'm turning it over to you. Like, do you, if you have, do you have any questions for me or, or things that you're, are, are difficult for you now or anything like that? So difficult when it comes to sleep, I wouldn't say I even minimize, like it's not difficult anymore. I, I have some good nights, some not like a, a little bit, but I, I know that I can correlate. This has been a stressful day or I, I did too much here and then that affected my sleep. I, I still wake up in the middle of the night and I'm more able to fall back asleep, but I still have these waking up in the middle of the night. I guess a question for you would be, was it possible to not that not to happen or right now I'm feeling that it's okay. I wake up and I can fall back asleep. Is it possible to not wake up at all? I do have, do you know that a lot of people who, especially older people, because when you're a child, you can ease sleep more easily, but the older we get, I guess there's more interruptions, but is it possible to actually fall asleep or in your experience, have you seen people fall asleep and not wake up in the middle of the night? Now that's a nice question. You already answered it for me. So I would say this, that I, from personal experience, I'm 44 now and it's extremely rare, I would say, that I don't wake up at all. And I think after a certain age, I don't know what that is. Maybe for some, it's 35 or 40. After a certain age, I, do, I just think it very rarely do we just sleep through the night. Can it still happen? I, I think there can be this outlier when we maybe we were really tired and sometimes when we do sleep through the night. But I think those become outliers after a certain age. So I think to me, yeah, that's I would say this. I think that becomes outliers that can normal with age that we just start waking up. But it doesn't need to be a struggle. We can wake up and, and then we awake for a bit and then we fall back asleep without any struggle. So I would say anybody, regardless of age, can have a struggle free sleep. So I, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because there is part of me that is, could this not happen? Can I just fall asleep and, and stay asleep? And the other voice says, not necessarily, but the change, the shift, what really has changed in me is that I could wake up and use the bathroom and come back to bed and somehow I fall back asleep again. So there's that um, loss of fear that's dissipating and that's been really great. That's wonderful. And I have very little to add except that when that fear starts dissipating, then sleep becomes struggle, like the struggle, it goes away. And when... There's sometimes I hear someone say, oh, hey, Daniel, like I've gotten to this place, but how do I get to the next, next place? Which is a little tricky because then as long as we're trying to get the next step, we will probably have some struggle versus somebody who says, hey, Daniel, I've gotten to this place and it's okay. I don't necessarily need to push myself to get to the next place, whatever that is. That For that person, it's going to be a little easier. I'm just sharing that. You can probably see that from my question where you thought she's looking for that, that next, the next place. But yeah, I guess my next place would be, like I said, I sleep okay for the most part, wake up rested and my days are fine. So I sleep in a way better than I have in many years before all of this happened. Um, my body's functioning better. I have energy during the day, all of that. But like I said, my world has become 
a little bit more small, you know, the, the habits around bedtime and though that kind of routine is there. So it would be nice. I guess that would be my challenge to work towards losing the fear around that. There's less and less of that, but I don't know if it's resistance, the, the subconscious saying, no, I don't want to give up the earplugs or the blackout curtains. There's, there must be a little bit of resistance, but it would be nice to be able to be tired and just fall asleep without earplugs, without blackout and being able to fall asleep anywhere. So that would be the next step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say my thoughts when I hear this is you're part of me wants to say you're all already on the way there. You're already seeing how the fear is gradually dissipating. And at some point, without doing anything more, you will have a random day where you're like, whoa, I forgot to put on my earplugs. Or it will just naturally become less and less important. So that's part of me wants to just say that. But part of me is like Coach Daniel. I like, but I know we have to go deeper into this and talk more about this. So, so that part of me says, to me, this is a story of a lot of enlightenment and a lot of really amazing hard work and willingness to learn has led you to a place where things are, are much easier, which is wonderful. But the brain is this it's a safety machine. It's a survival machine. The truth, which is that thanks to letting go and not trying so much, things come easier. It's scary for the brain because it wants to have control. It wants to know, right? So then I think part of the brain often holds on to, okay, things are easier, but maybe it is thanks to the earplugs. Maybe it's thanks to the blackout curtain. Maybe it's best not to shake the rock towards the boat. Maybe, maybe let's take it. And that's so natural. And But basically when we can start maybe questioning that or seeing or just see, seeing that it, it's really not that because it was about the earplugs, then people could just put earplugs and sleep. It's not about that. It's about our emotions. And just, I would say gently maybe questioning that or when we feel like it, we can be courageous and see maybe I don't need to use it. But I think gently working ourselves towards seeing that we don't actually need any safety and sleep always is natural. That leads us where we want to be. Something like that comes to mind. But does it make sense, Peggy? It does. And in fact, it's the word gently because some of us, like a, a lot of people who struggle with anxiety, there is an inner critic. There is a, a lot of people who say, I, I need to fix my sleep or I'm doing something wrong. There is that inner critic and those people myself included, need to understand that, it, yeah, there's no pressure on yourself, just gently. And yeah, I don't need to get rid of my earplugs. I could, but yeah, that's how the falling asleep happened. It was just, I just decided to try it at some point and the nervous system saw, hey, this is great. Yeah, I'm actually enjoying this. And then that became a habit. So making that the other things a habit. Yeah, I would say almost it wasn't like you were like, oh, I'm listening to some music or something to sleep. And now I have to stop that. I have to stop myself from doing that. It wasn't like that, right? It just come naturally happened that one day you were like, maybe not. And I think it's the same things, these other the kind of little sleep efforts fade away. It's not like we, we need to push ourselves to do it. Like they naturally fade away. Yeah, in fact, it was interesting that is is that one like that one night where I I just decided oh I'm not gonna listen to anything or watch anything. I remembered somehow the memory of me being probably an eight year old, and back then we didn't have anything to fall asleep to. We didn't have iPads or we went to bed and fell asleep, right? And I just had this memory of me being in bed and having some sort of story in my mind. I was playing with certain characters that were in the bed and this was a, I had formed a tent. I, it was, I, I went back to childhood, like to that age. And I just remembered that and it, it was comforting 
And it helped me fall asleep that night, just having this imagination, this story about what was going on before bed as an eight-year-old. And after that, it, it just happened one or two days, and then it became a habit. Okay, now I'm enjoying. I'm going to bed, and I'm just going to fall asleep. Yeah. Oh, that's just so nice to hear. I remember that too from when I was a kid. Like you just go, yeah, you go all kinds of places in your imagination. It was like you almost look, you, you also often look forward to going to bed because you could just like get your imagination around and go crazy about it. That's exactly it. It's exactly what you help me understand, understand, help me get to. Like just looking forward to to going to bed. I'm sure a lot of people who who've come through your the program or you've spoken to said they once enjoyed sleeping and they'd like to go back to that. And then there's this kind of disconnect, right? Like I, I, I enjoyed sleeping and I need to get back to that. But the beautiful part is when you can say, I enjoyed falling asleep and I'm enjoying falling asleep and not beating yourself up and, and putting so much pressure on doing that. And that's where I am right now. That's amazing. And you brought up something very nicely, which is like it, anything that we enjoy in life happened because we were simply enjoying it, right? We, we never forced ourselves to enjoy anything. Like I and I eating ice cream, if someone says, like, you have to enjoy eating this ice cream, then we'll be like, oh, this is no fun. We just enjoy it. So you, you point that out so nicely. Very, very well. I, I will uh, I just actually want to thank you. This was really valuable for the community and it was really nice hearing your story. And I'll just say, be in touch, Peggy, and thanks for being here today. No, thank you, Daniel. It was really nice chatting with you. Anytime. Okay, bye, everyone. That was all for today. I hope you found this episode really eye-opening. And if you're looking for something more tangible, then head over to our website, thesleepcoachschool.com, and you'll find several coaching options where our teachings can be contextualized for you personally. If you decide to join, we look forward to seeing you on the other side.